you? I am Michelle Gifford. Hey, I'm Sarah Allred. We are the girls behind Women With Fire, and we specialize in building influencers. Welcome to the podcast. Listen as we chat with influential women who feel guided by the divine to build empires of truth at home, in business, and abroad. The goal here is to empower you to grow your influence everywhere. Join the nation of women who get things done at thewomenwithfire.com. Hey, you guys, and welcome to another episode of the Mormon Mompreneur Podcast. We are so excited to have Lisa Funk, the creative founder of Hand Lettered Design. Now, she is amazing. I'm so excited that you're here. Um, Let me tell you a quick couple things about her. She's a wife and a mom of three littles. She's a lifelong Californian now living in Gilbert, Arizona, where she loves living by family and being a part of an incredible creative community. Um, Lisa, we are so glad that you are here. I'm so glad to be here. It's kind of like we switched places. I lived in Arizona forever and then I moved to California and I think we switched at just the same time. So... I don't know. No, I wish you were still here. I, we, I wish we at least high-fived on the way. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh. So, so let's just kind of get to it. I want to know about um, how and why you started hand letter design. And um, yeah, so tell me all the details. Okay, so I've always loved handwriting my whole life. I was just pretended to do it endlessly before I even knew how to handwrite. I mean, I remember just like doodling, pretending like I was really writing. And so I just always loved it. And almost my family would almost tease me a little bit because I was just so obsessed with handwriting. I would create different little fonts and different ways to write. And, you know, it was awesome. My notes were pretty. I don't know that I necessarily (laughs) was learning anything, but so I loved that and just continued to just kind of play around with it. And when I was living in Arizona, and this was, you know, probably soon after I moved here five years ago, and I would make chalkboards, and a couple friends of mine would have me make chalkboards for them for different, like, boutiques and things, and they would encourage me to create them for myself uh, to sell, um, just like chalk the chalkboard designs and things. And so for a few years, I was like, no, no, I just, I couldn't see that it was going to be that I don't know. I just didn't think that it was going to be that lucrative necessarily for the time that went into it. And I didn't have the drive. I just, I've never actually been that interested in having a business. I was not one of those kids, you know, selling pencils out of my backpack, Um, (laughs) which there's nothing wrong with that. I just never saw that as part of my path. So, but then after a few years, I, they, you know, once again, they're like, you know, you really should sell these. And I had had a lot going on in my life and I needed an outlet. I needed something. Um, the year before my brother had passed away, then I had just given birth to my third baby. I had gone through a life-threatening blood clot, which was like insane. I had like a DVT in my left leg ended up having like to have stents put into my vein to hold it open and anyway had to relearn how to walk couldn't like it was really bad at the same time one of my children was really struggling and life felt out of control it felt I felt really overwhelmed and and it seemed 
and I had a newborn, which I actually love newborns. So that was a very happy thing. But um, on paper, it seemed like the last time in the world that you would ever start something or get into a new hobby or whatever. But it was absolutely what I needed. And so for that reason, when they when they kind of encouraged me that year, my friend Lizzie, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Why not? I need something to just distract me and an outlet and something else besides all these things that I cannot control. Um, and so that's how I got into it and just started with one holiday pop-up shop. And I convinced my friend Addie to join me and she did a few of the signs and we ended up creating prints, which is how I realized we could actually make the most of our time and not just, you know, spend a million hours on one chalkboard. And we sold out and I was shocked. And, you know, we had kind of looked into a few other pop-up shops thinking we can sell our leftovers maybe. You know, if a couple other people had asked us, oh, will you do this other one? We're like, yeah, then we'll sell all of our leftovers. And then we pretty much sold out at the first <laughs> one. And we were like, oh my gosh. And so it kind of just kept going from there. And I never thought it would really be anything much more than that. But I actually started an Instagram account before that first one thinking part of my thinking was this is going to help us get rid of the rest of the stuff that we don't sell because <laughs> if people can follow us on Instagram they can find it but I also when I started the Instagram account I um, had read that talk about how important it is for us to put goodness out onto the internet and kind of do our job of spreading positivity and trying to kind of counteract the negative negativity out there and so I felt like you know what I just want to like the words had become so meaningful to me that I wanted to spread the good words. I wanted to spread the light from the messages of the lettering. And so my main goal was, okay, you know what? I'm just going to do this and try to kind of put more positivity out into the world. And I didn't think anything would necessarily come of it. Maybe a few people would see it. And, and so after those holiday pop-up, this was in November that we started. So after those holiday pop-up shops were over, I just kind of kept practicing my lettering and I liked lettering, but I didn't know a lot about brush lettering and I didn't know a ton about chalk art. And so I started just learning more and more and I would just post about it. And, and as time went on, I mean, it was like, I didn't know even know how people were finding it and it would just be like more and more people kept following it and I just was sharing like what was going on in my life and how I would always find the words to letter were always the words I needed to hear and coincidentally they were words that other people <laughs> needed to hear this shocker um, <laughs> and which was awesome and really started to kind of connect me with this creative community of people looking for inspiration and looking for light and positivity and oh it just became something that really filled me up and I had had three kids and I had actually been single you know in Mormon years it felt like a long time I was 27 when I got married Whoa. <laughs> I know crazy um but I with, always just thought my sisters got married young my mom got married young I thought I'm gonna get married young and start my family all I wanted was to be a mom and so I didn't have fertility issues per se um but I did feel like I wanted to be a mom for a really long time and so 
when I, and so, and I was working that whole time, which was so fulfilling and awesome. But then when I got to be a mom, I was like, I just don't need anything else. And, and I didn't, I was, my first baby was just the best. I just loved being at home with her all the time. And just as I added more kids, I realized, you know what, I really do enjoy having something that feels, um, that's just a sad motherhood. And, but because for so long, I thought, no, I don't need anything else. This is all I've ever wanted, you know, and just kind of like reconciling that in my brain of like, it's okay to have always just wanted to do this, but still have something that helps me feel kind of, you know, fulfilled in other ways. All right. So that is kind of, I, I know that that question that you asked yourself, like uh, really finding a way to, to be okay, because we are told, and it's true, like our most fulfilling thing is to be a mom. Absolutely. But, but there is a point where you can do other things, right? I know my mom even, um, you know, she was a dance teacher and she helped a ton in the community. And so even though it's not her starting a business, I mean, but she was a dance teacher. That's a business. Anyway, I, I think that we have this idea that to be a good mom, you only have to be a good mom, you know, and, but, but sometimes you need a creative outlet, right? Even though I love that you're like, well, <laughs> I had all these things. Um, what's the answer to making me feel better is to add something else, you know, that's right. Okay. <laughs> right. So anyway, how did you reconcile all of that? Well, first of all, what makes sense on paper doesn't necessarily make sense to God, right? So you have to just be very open to whatever you feel is the right thing and cannot worry about what anybody else thinks. I used to worry like, oh my gosh, people must just be looking at me thinking, what is she doing? Like she just learned how to walk again and here she is starting a business. Like what is, she, you know, and it's like, it doesn't matter what anyone thinks whatever is right for you is right for you. And I think that I realized, I mean, I've struggled with depression and anxiety for over 20 years. So this is also a huge piece of my story because it's just played into my need for self-care that I don't know that I've had ever really done or done a good job of and not being hard on myself. <laughs> it's like, you're not good at taking care of yourself. <laughs> um, but that I just hadn't ever paid a lot of attention to necessarily in this way um, of finding kind of something to fill me up. And so I think that I just started realizing what a toll it was taking on my family for me to not to feel so depleted all the time. And my husband has been like, way more encouraging of this than even I have. So he's just the best ever. And I'm so grateful that he just encouraged me to do something he could see from the beginning that it brought me so much joy. And not just because it was a selfish thing, but because he could see that I was using it to serve others and to make a difference in other people's lives as well. And that it was making me feel more fulfilled in motherhood and find answers. I was always looking for meaningful things to letter. And so it was like, okay, am I struggling with this one thing with my kid? Okay, what is some inspirational thing that I could focus on right now with that situation? And I would, and then I would come back a happier mom and not necessarily even come back. Sometimes I'm doing this while I'm sitting next to my kids. It's not like I have to be in solitude for days, you know. <laughs> um, sometimes they've got their markers out and I have my marker out and I'm doing this, you know, while we're all doodling at the table. Um, and so I think I just started realizing that God wants us to be joyful and that 
it's okay to take care of ourselves and that gosh it just felt started feeling a little a little bit uh martyrish to be <laughs> like okay I am a mom and this is so hard and I just I have so many sweet friends who just feel so overwhelmed with you know raising their kids and the toll that it takes every day and at the same time they feel so guilty about doing something that will help fill them up and it's like we I think as a culture we have to figure out how to do that and leaving the guilt behind and I'm not talking about you know necessarily totally leaving your kids and neglecting them and I'm talking about finding ways to make sure that you I mean the best gift you can give your kids is your own happiness I mean, I can't do anything for my kids that's going to make up for the fact that I'm depressed and bummed out all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the thing that I love about this is because you are equating, well, not equating, but um, talking about self-care and bettering yourself as being self-care. Because I think right now, I've just noticed that the world, a lot of moms are saying, you've just got to take care of yourself. And that includes like spa days and, you know, bubble baths and being alone and leaving your kids. And while I do think there are, there is a place for, you know, that kind of refreshment, I love that, um, that it is more of how can I make myself better and serve others? Because I, that is what is missing in, Mm -hmm. in this whole self-care talk that I hear. It's, you know, that's a popular thing right now. We're talking about making sure you're taken care of. And I, and I do think, I mean, there's the Uchtdorf talk, right? Where it says that we are here to create, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, and that when I just have, I have such a strong testimony of this because I was, you know, having babies, I was young and my husband was gone a ton because of school. And I know that like, sewing and learning my camera was the thing that got me through like being alone mm-hmm. and it ha- and I never I didn't have money to go to a spa day I didn't have money to get a babysitter you know and I wasn't neglecting my kids I was just um you know trying to fill in the space with something that made me better and then I could serve others with so I love it yes okay so I do talk about this a lot I think there's a huge difference between taking a break and really nourishing your soul and the taking a break is a little bit easier. I feel like sometimes it's, you know, watching a show on Netflix or, um, you know, maybe getting a massage or just being by yourself. And that's totally fine. And I do it plenty. Okay. I'm not looking down on the break. The break is awesome. Um, but when I want to really nourish myself, sometimes it's a little bit more effort. Sometimes when I'm really tired and, and overwhelmed and I, I don't necessarily think, oh, I'm going to turn on this, um, you know, course that I've been wanting to learn something, or I'm going to open my scriptures, or I'm going to go meditate. Something that may at the beginning take a little bit more brain power, but in the end, oh my goodness, my soul is refreshed. Like I feel better. And that lasts for me so much longer than the break where, you know, it was kind of nice but it wasn't true self-care in that I feel like really buoyed up by it for an extended period of time. Yeah. I, um, I feel that a lot. Like I do, I think it's also when you have little kids and, or you have a lot of kids, um, you can get feeling a little bit trapped. Like I can't even, I mean, there's no way I can do self-care because I can't 
take myself out of this situation when that's not the point. Um, and I, and I think that with, um, heavenly father wants us to be doing something that makes us better. So yes, every once in a while we need to watch, I mean, watch that Netflix show. Go ahead. Sure. For sure. For <laughs> sure. I do it plenty. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like also take time to learn something. I love like finish that course because we can all do those things online in our home when our kids are asleep mm-hmm. or whatever. So I really, really love that. So I want to know um, how you went from selling out at a pop-up shop to being hugely successful. Now what you do is, I mean, do you sell things or are you, because you're more in the education field right now, right? Yes. So you're not doing the prints anymore. You're doing education. So how did you get from that point to now where you're like teaching other people? Yes. So what happened was, after the pop-up shops, I really just was focusing on posting online and I wasn't doing it to create a business out of it. I was doing it just because I loved it. And so I think that was key to my like journey was just like I had a true passion for doing it regardless of whether or not I was making money from it. And what ended up happening was because we were I was posting on Instagram, people would start contacting me and saying, oh, can you do this custom piece or that custom piece? So I started doing some custom work. So I've done plenty of that, um, which was a good experience um, that I'm glad I had. And then I just had people start asking, oh, what pen are you using? How are you doing this? How are you doing that? And and then I started having local people say, would you ever teach a class on how to do this? And, and I was like, sure, let's do it. And then a local boutique, um, like a shop here did some kind of workshops in their shop and, and asked if we would come do a workshop there. And so we did, it sold out in like four hours or something crazy. We were like, Oh, this is kind of cool. <laughs> so we started teaching workshops and, and since I hadn't really been selling prints in that meantime, anyway, it was kind of easy to transfer over to teaching workshops more. And so we started doing a lot of that. And then when it came time for holiday pop-ups again, I did create more prints and do that again. But then, and that, so that was kind of like the second year of that. But then the focus just really turned to the workshop still, as well as moving to online. So because we had such a great following on Instagram, sweet people always saying, I wish I could come, please just take a video of it and, you know, stream us in and whatever. And, and so by May of last year, a year ago is when we released our first online course. And then we just kept going. It was magic. It was magic. <laughs> it really was magic. It was amazing to feel like, oh my goodness, all these sweet people from all over the world are able to join us now. And they were just giving us such amazing feedback about what it had, you know, brought to their lives of being able to be creative and do something from home where they could watch, you know, five minutes here and 10 minutes there, or they could watch all three hours in one sitting if they felt like it, or, you know, they could do it with their kids. And I mean, that was just, has been a really cool experience. So you have had a ton of success in your first year of online courses. So will you give us your tips on selling online courses, starting an online course? Yes. I, one of my main tips that I like to share is that whenever possible, teach your material in person first. 
we had the opportunity to teach hundreds of students before doing an online course. The other thing is that we really had a demand for the online courses. And so we knew there was going to be an audience for it. It wasn't like, I'm going to create this thing in secret, and then one day I'm going to announce it, and I'm going to hope people do it. It was like, no, people are asking for it. And then I put out a survey that was like, okay, if we do online courses, what would you want to see? You know, what topics would you like to hear about? And, you know, we had 500 people respond to that. And I thought, wow, okay, 500 people. Yeah, I think there's a, you know, hopefully someone's going to buy it. Um, (laughs) And so that was super helpful. And I really, so I really recommend one is teaching your content in person first. And two is to listen to your audience and be open with them as you go through the process so that they can, you know, have input and they'll feel invested. They're, they're going to be excited. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, people started asking in October for these online courses and I didn't come out with them till May of the next year. And I'm thinking, nobody's going to still buy it. They're like so sick of waiting, but they did. They were, they were awesome. They just wanted to get it. And so that totally worked out because when you teach, and then when you teach in person first, and if you can't teach in person first, do some type of beta group or something, because you learn so much about the questions people ask and what they notice. I mean, I was teaching one of my first workshops and people were like commenting on the way I was holding my arm on the table and different things that I didn't even realize I did. I didn't know they were important. And that became, those became some of my like top tips. So I think just teaching in person makes you realize like the things that are so basic to you or natural to you are totally aha moments for other people. So this podcast is powered by Entreport. Entreport is our number one business tool. It literally does it all. Email marketing, sales funnels, automation, and it basically keeps your business running even when you're sleeping. Not only is Entreport the backbone of our businesses, but you can design a full-blown website using their customizable landing pages. It is a one-stop powerhouse shop where we keep our email list, growth, marketing goals, and businesses at their very best. Check out the show notes or jump on thewomenwithfire.com slash Entreport to get started. I have a photography course just for, it's just like how to get your camera onto, so you can do manual mode, you know, but it's for a non-photographer. So I sat down with my mom and I was like, okay, I taught her the lesson and she'd be like, Michelle, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, like Aperture, what you just said doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) And so like, we just sat and like went back and forth until... Like, I got it to a point where she was like, yep, that's it. Like, that makes complete sense to me. We have so much knowledge. Like, we're super smart on whatever we're expert in, right? You're expert in hand lettering. So you don't don't even notice how you hold your arm, you know? And I don't – I'm like, well, Aperture, you know, depth of field. And people are like, what are you talking about? Right, right. (laughs) And so, yeah, you have to – you have to know – you have to have that element of getting feedback because – you have too much knowledge and you teach to like a six when you got to teach down to like a two, right? So, yes. which so is I, one thing I tell people too, is like, don't be afraid to teach when you don't feel like you know very much because you're close enough to that beginner that you can remember what it was like. 
you know, sometimes you'll call it like the expert's curse or something to know so much that it's really difficult to go back and remember what a beginner would need to hear. But when you're just a couple steps ahead of someone and you can say, oh, no, I remember when I didn't know that. And this is, you know, how it works. You don't have to be 10 steps ahead. You just have to be two steps ahead. And so that's just another little encouragement for people to, you know, start teaching before they feel like they're you know, quote unquote, an expert. I definitely didn't feel like an expert when I started teaching, but because of teaching, I have pushed myself, learned more. And now I I do feel that way. Well, I think it's a genius of how you built your business is that you just started where you were and then you took the next step. And I, that is one of my mottos, start where you are, then take the next step. Um, Because I think we can get too caught up in saying, I want to do this. But if you would have said that three years ago, right, you've been in business three years, you would never have no, like been or projected to where you are now. And, um, but I think the other part of your genius is being able to take your people on your journey. So you didn't start out as an expert on Instagram, you know, but you taught what you were learning so Uh that you slowly, you know, within a few years became the expert and now are teaching other people how to do it. And that is something that someone who is just starting out, who is listening can take, you know, whatever you're starting out in, like figure it out and teach as you go so that um, you can build, a, you have a loyal following. Like these aren't just, you know, people who are invested. It's because you invested in them from the very beginning. I think that's genius. <laughs> yes. And you do. I did. I feel like I, you know, I posted on Instagram for like two years or something before I really had a legitimate or a year and a half, I guess, before I even had like a legitimate product or course or anything for someone online to buy. So I felt like you give a ton of value. And, you know, that's another aspect, I feel like for me was, I just gave a ton of value and created this kind of relationship with these people before feeling like, here, buy my thing. And there's nothing wrong with selling from the beginning. Some people sell say sell soon, sell often, just always be selling, you know, which is totally fine. But for me, it was like, no, like I genuinely had no idea I was going to do that. You know, it was always following kind of the demand of what people were asking for. And not that I do everything people ask for, because I definitely don't. (laughs) Still, it's it's a balance between finding like, what is your, what is your why? What is your purpose? Um, and then also what are people looking for? What are they hungry for? What are they interested in? Kind of marrying those two things to come up with something that is going to feel true to you, that's going to feed your passion, but that's also going to happen because people are going to be interested in it. Most of our listeners will be able to relate relate to that where we're not going to sell, sell, sell all the time because a lot of us are accidental entrepreneurs, you know, like we don't say we're going to start a business. But, you know, like I was like, you know what, I need, I'm going to start selling on Etsy, you know, and then it changed to doing my own podcast 10 years later. But anyway, but you know, like you just, um, it's not something that usually happens in one choice, like it's a series. And so I think that your advice to kind of just build relationships with your people and then when it's time, they'll be there for you. And it does take time and it does take investment, but 
But as moms, I, I see that we are we are running the long game, you know, because I don't have 10 hours to devote to a day, you know, to my business at all. So we're playing the long game and that's fine. Like that's conducive to who, what our time is right now. Yeah, for sure. So I love, one of the things I love about you is um, you're not just teaching, like when you say you're teaching people hand lettering, that is um, true, but you have a deeper why behind teaching hand lettering. Can you tell us what it is and talk about it? Yes. So my kind of deeper why, my passion, the reason behind what I do really stems back to how I got started when I was kind of going through that really hard time and what hand lettering had done for me. So the way that it had helped me find meaning, the way that the lettering, lettering these very important words, scriptures and different things like that became almost a meditative practice for me, just helped me become super mindful about my thoughts and my feelings and uh, how I was approaching challenges in my life. And it just brought so much light to my life and so much positivity and meaning that I felt like I started living more intentionally and and more and brought more joy. And so that is what my goal is to help women find their innate worth, to help them overcome, you know, their challenges using meaningful and powerful words, whether it's scripture or whether it's um, other affirmations or just truth that's gonna help them feel joy. And and so I've really reach out to women who struggle with depression and anxiety, perfectionism, overwhelm, because um, I relate so much with that. And so uh, as I teach lettering, it's also a way to teach embracing imperfection and, you know, just living the life that you want to live and, and learning these life lessons through, through the lettering. Yeah, Sarah and I talk a lot about this, that um, Heavenly Father, I mean, this is a theme in all of our podcasts, but that Heavenly Father can use anything to make you feel his love and to come closer to Christ, anything. And because I think that, again, like if you look and you're like, well, I'm just writing on a paper, you know, like that is what hand lettering is, but that's not what hand lettering is. It's it's sharing words of truth and also meditating and like going over these words over and over again that are so truthful and really do nourish your soul. God is awesome, right? He really is. <laughs> that he can that he can take what would speak to you, hand lettering, you know, and that's what he used to help you get through some hard times. Um, I when I interviewed Michelle Shumway from Rad Swim. Um, a really great interview you can go back and listen to, but, um, but she had just lost a baby and that's when rad swim started, you know, and, and she said it saved her, saved her completely to be able to have something that she could really create with and feel invested in and also like get inspiration for. So, um, yeah, anyway, heavenly father has a plan. (laughs) He does. And he's been guiding this from the beginning. And I remember saying, to him, you know, when I first started and realizing, you know, I think I am going to keep posting on Instagram and, and everything, you know, I had a few hundred followers at the time and saying, you know, I know that you can make this as big as you want to. And this isn't about me and I'll do it. And, you know, now like at 80,000 followers, it's, it's his, it's not, 
it's not me. I don't, I mean, I, I knew nothing about business, zero, like beyond zero, like negative numbers about business. <laughs> um, and it's just like, okay, like you can make this whatever you want. And if it will bless other people's lives and, and it's blessed other people's lives, it's blessed my family's life. You know, he knew that there were going to be certain situations where it was going to be a blessing for me to have this income. And, and it's just amazing. It's just amazing to see he knew from the beginning, of course, as always, that, gosh, I had no clue. And I still don't. But I am so open to it's all him. It, when I make it not about me, it's amazing to watch. If I start to make it about me, gosh, it's not fun anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you do that? How do you stay? Because I can see it just being hard to to really always remember that this isn't your baby, you know, because mm -hmm. when you see success, it's pretty, not you personally, <laughs> but you know, like when you get success, it's pretty easy to be like, look what I just did. <laughs> so how do you stay on track? Because I, I think that is something that we all face, whether we have a business or not, is like in the down times, we're like, Heavenly Father, help us. Like, what, what's mm -hmm. happening? And then in the up times, we're like, we just did that. Pretty awesome. <laughs> right. I kind of equate it to um, raising kids. So, like, last night at dinner, my daughter, who is often my largest struggle in my life, <laughs> um, she's also amazing, but she was just being overly sweet. We were eating with my parents, and my mom was looking at me and my dad was like, wow, good job. I said, oh, no, 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 no. You don't give me the credit for that or else I have to take the credit for all the hard stuff too. <laughs> and it's true, you know, when the, the goal is, and I mean, as a parent, as a mom, I feel like my goal is to follow God's plan for me is to listen and, and share and teach, but that I don't have control. I can't control, that's Satan's plan, right? And so I do my job of following what I'm supposed to do and listening to the spirit. And then I let it go and I don't take credit for the good and I don't take credit for the bad. It don't ha that doesn't define who I am. And so with my business, I stay so, if I can stay so connected to my purpose and to God's purpose for me and for this business, then I don't take credit for the good and I don't have to take, take on the weight of the, the, failures, quote unquote, man, that is so freeing. It's like, if you know that God's asking you to do something, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter if it fails. It doesn't matter if you make a million dollars. Like it's what God asked you to do. That's the success is listening and doing it. That is the best thing you've ever said. <laughs> because it's, it's true. so true. Well, of course it's the best thing because it is so true. And I think that I mean, that is true in our mom life, in our business life, in our church callings, in anything that we are doing. We, I was talking to my friend and she just said, you know, we have an illusion of control in our lives. You know, honestly, we don't have control. I mean, because anything could happen. And although that can be, I mean, if you leave it at that, that seems pretty scary. Um, but we have faith in God and we know that really God is looking out for us and he will create something more beautiful than we ever could, even though sometimes those beauties come from trials. I just got done speaking in Arizona, and one of the things, like people are like, how did your talk go and stuff? And 
I really felt like I delivered the message I was supposed to, but I could have done better. Like it wasn't a perfect message, but there is, for me, that is great. You know, I was like, that is great. I am going to give this talk again and I can perfect that message, but I can have peace in knowing that I said what I needed to say. And, and so I don't have to be perfect. I don't, I don't, I just have to deliver the message. And there's a lot of freedom in that. And just saying, you know, I can only follow the spirit. <laughs> that's all I can do. Yeah. And we're not, and we're not going to be perfect. And that's the beauty of it is being imperfect, embracing that and sharing that. And I'm not talking about being like overly vulnerable, overly open, like TMI, but like being able to say, like, I share a ton about my imperfections and just about real life. And I think that that is, has been one thing that's been such a blessing for people when I have, I mean, I'm very open about my struggles with anxiety and my struggles with depression and the different things that I deal with by far the most react, like the best responses, the best connections that I've made with my community have been when I've done that. And that's just purely an inspirational thing that I felt inspired to do. And that has been, I mean, when someone can say, when someone will tell me, oh my goodness, that I needed to hear that or that answer to prayer. I mean, I've had some, some more extreme examples of people, you know, feeling like it was a blessing to them and some even more severe struggling times. But just even if someone just says, it is so nice to know that I'm not alone, and I'm not crazy, you know, or whatever. And it's, it, that is such a blessing. But it's because I've been willing to be imperf- imperfect and say, yeah, of course, you know, we're all just doing our best. And we don't have to be perfect. And we don't have to do it right the first time. And it's better not to. And um, yeah, we're just all can be part of this sisterhood of real people. Real people. <laughs> so how do you do that with um, sharing online, I guess? Because one of the things is if if I'm sharing something personal online and I don't think I actually know the person, it seems a little bit easier. But like when you know that people around you are following you around your along your journey, I'm like, ah, you read that? <laughs> so do you have like, people, how do you do that? How do you walk that line? Oh, I don't think about it. Oh, that's good. I try not to think about it. <laughs> Once in a while, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I guess everybody in my neighborhood is going to read that, too. But it's all good. <laughs> I'm very open. The thing is, I'm not just open online. I'm very open in general. Like, I feel like I, I taught really society for a few years. I just recently got released. But every single time I got up there, it was like here we go again. Lisa's <laughs> going to tell everybody how depressed she's been and how she's dealing with it and how they're not alone. And it's like, I mean, I, t- I gave a talk on depression in my ward. Like I'm very, maybe I'm not, I don't think I'm too open about it. I'm still, you know, sort of cautious about not making people feel <laughs> too uncomfortable, but, but I just, I'm like, we have to break down these walls. Like we have to just come to church and come to life with, our struggles and with our awesome things and just bring it all. So, so you're, you're a brave soul is really the answer. (laughs) I am. I don't know how I just am. I feel like I've been rewarded enough with positive, you know, interactions. I mean, for me, truly, if there is one person who tells me they needed that or one person who says, 
oh my gosh, I am so like, I feel like I can come to church because I don't have to be perfect or whatever. One person, that's all it takes. And I'm like, that's my payday. Like I can keep doing this. I can do it. I can, you know, and, and that's one reason to be so, you know, ingrained with your, your purpose and your why, and to really go to God with that from the beginning. And it may not be clear exactly at the beginning what it is and it evolves over time. But if you're trying to go to God and saying, okay, what is it that I'm supposed to be sharing and how, and help me stay connected to that. It's going to help you so much because I don't think people realize always at the beginning, like no matter how much you love something, it is so much work. It is so much work. It's so much work. It's just so much work. (laughs) And so there are going to be times when you may not get the best reaction or when you are up too late or you're doing things and, you know, I'm sort of anti-hustle, but sometimes you're still, you're still hustling and you're still working really hard and it's the tiring and it's exhausting. And you ask yourself many times, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Should I still be doing this? Should I keep, should I quit? Should I stop? Should I like, that's very normal. Even though I feel very inspired for my purpose and everything, I still will say, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of work. But when you can come back to that purpose, then you can keep going because it's not about you. Yep, that's true. Like my mom always said, it's not about you. <laughs> it's not about you. Uh, I I do believe wholeheartedly that when you do know what God wants you to do, then, then the scary things become easy. Because um, someone asked me like, how do you stand up on stage and, you know, talk? And I'm like, I know without doubt that is a message I was sent here to give without doubt. And so there is the, yes, I was nervous, but I wasn't afraid because I knew that I'd be given certain experiences that I needed to share with these girls. And so suddenly, like, you're not afraid to share online. You're not, I mean, nervous maybe, But, you know, not afraid because, you know, and you're not afraid to stand up in church and say, this is it, because that's a message you were chosen to give. So there's a lot of power in it. There's a lot of power in including God in in your business and in your every aspect, every aspect of your life. So I love that you are a testament to that. So um, one of the thing, the question that I love to, uh, wrap up our interviews with is how have you seen God in your business? I, I know I've shared a lot about this already, but from the very beginning, I feel like it's for sure been, been led by God. And, you know, it's been very interesting because I feel like I've had different experiences in my life that have helped me see the ways that God can lay out a plan or the ways that God can very specifically answer questions or guide and direct my life. And some of those times were on my mission, you know, or other times when I felt like I really was in tune or I really had a a pressing need or challenge. And so it's been really interesting for me to see that with this business that I feel like is his. For example, at the beginning of the year, I was feeling so burnt out. I worked really hard last year. I traveled a lot for teaching at different conferences and I was just tired. And I was like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. And I just prayed and I took time. And it was one of the most spiritual experiences for me to receive line upon line, how he wanted me to proceed this year. And it was, I would like go to sleep. And as I was falling asleep, I would have 
you know, these ideas and these thoughts and visions and, and I would piece them together and watch him show me line upon line how things were supposed to happen. And man, it's just incredible to see what he comes up with that I would never come up with and how he helps me to focus when there are a million voices and a million distractions of what you could be doing or what you think people say you should be doing that when I allow him to, to guide me that he just, he showed, he's shown me step-by-step. Step. And what's been so cool about that is that it gives me so much confidence that he can and will and does do the same in all aspects of my life. So even though, you know, with the business at that point, it was just kind of this isolated, not isolated, but sort of just this thing where I could watch him show me this outline and be like, I can be asking the same thing about my mothering. I can be asking the same thing about my family, about friends, about callings. Like he has the same ability and of course, and it's just been so neat to watch him help me come up with these ideas of how to help women through using their creative talents in ways that I never would have dreamt, in ways that no one else is doing. And when I stopped looking around at what everyone else is doing and just started focusing on what he wanted me to do, it's just amazing to watch. So I'm so grateful. And he will do that in all of our lives. Like I, I think that, that we don't realize like how much he's just waiting to help us. <laughs> and he has a really amazing plan and it's better than ours secret. <laughs> it's than ours. Always. It's always better. Always. <laughs> um, but he won't, it's our choice, you know, it's our choice. And I think it's something that we have to choose every day because we can easily get caught up in what um, everyone else says that we should be doing. So um, you have dropped so much wisdom on us today. I like want to just hang out next time I'm in Arizona and you're in California. For sure. Anyway, so um, thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, thanks for listening to the Women With Fire podcast. Your support means a lot to us. In fact, your support is what makes this podcast possible. If you want to connect more with the guests we've had on our podcast and connect more with Sarah and Michelle, the creators of the Women With Fire podcast, find us on Instagram at The Women With Fire or find us in our Facebook group. Simply search Women With Fire and join the group. We'll see you there.